Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. WBEZ is supported by Chicago Humanities, presenting live events with historians Doris Kearns Goodwin and John Meacham, comedian Reggie Watts and filmmaker Miranda July, and artists Hebrew Brantley and Amanda Williams in conversation. Plus, MSNBC chief correspondent Ali Velshi on small yet powerful acts of courage throughout history. Tickets for these events and more conversations on arts, culture, and current affairs at chicagohumanities.org. What the fluff is this stuff all over the city? I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Lawns, curbs, and cars in our area, they've been covered in a thick layer of dandelion-like fluff for the past week. And while it may be making parts of Chicagoland look like an out-of-season winter wonderland, it's actually from the seeds of cottonwood trees. To find out more about what's happening, we're talking to Karen Weigert, Reset Sustainability Contributor and Director of Loyola University Chicago's Baumart Center for Social Enterprise and Responsibility. Also with us is Jessica Turner-Scoff, Science Communication Leader at the Morton Arboretum. Karen, how much of this fluff have you seen? So I'm in the category where I'm not seeing the fluff. There are not a lot of cottonwood trees where I live. So. I'm seeing bits and pieces yeah. of fluff. So what happened know. to me is I saw a little tiny bit, and I'm looking around like, where's my cottonwood tree? But then I got a text from my sister who lives in another part of town, and she said she was in a cottonwood blizzard. And she literally sent me a photo, and there's the tree, and at the base of the tree are mountains and mountains of fluff. And my sister's telling me there are flowers in there that are not from the cottonwood, but I honestly don't know what they are because you can't see anything. Yeah, wow. And what about you, Jessica? Are you seeing it? So I am in the middle of the city, and I have not been seeing it. But I do know, um, you know, the amount that you see can actually depend on if the tree is a male or a female, because it is the females that produce the fluff. Oh, I see. I did not know that. I mean, well, when you did see it, the, the bits of fluff that you have seen, did it fool you at all? Did you think it was snow? I know that one of our reset producers <laughs> did for at least for a few seconds. I love some of the pictures. So I've been looking, uh, scrolling online to see different pictures, and some of them really do look like it. When I saw it, I was looking for it because I know it's happening, and I hadn't seen any. Um, I do always want to make a snowball out of it, but it just it just condenses. It's just soft. So tell us, why are we seeing this fluff, Karen? So it's definitely unusual, but it's not something that never happens. It's the trees trying to reproduce, as simply as that. And so they have these mass seeding events where they kind of go a little crazy and they produce a ton. And one of these cottonwoods can produce double-digit millions of seeds. And the fluff is really just helping the little seed that's in there move around on the wind. So we are seeing a lot from, from cottonwoods right now, but this isn't actually the only tree that does this. We actually talked with Jeline Lamontaine, who's a, a mast seeding expert at DePaul University. Here's a little bit of what she had to say. So mass seeding is is a pretty broad phenomenon for a lot of species of trees that tend to be uh, pollinated by the wind. So they Mm. synchronize over pretty large areas. And so acorn production and oak trees is is really common. Um, Maple trees do this. Uh, There's actually a huge variety. Beech trees do this. Ash trees do this. all the species of conifer trees do this as well. So your spruces and your pines and firs and those things as well. Mm-hmm. So which of those trees, Jessica, do we see here in this region? And also tell us about uh, the prevalence of cottonwoods here. So cottonwood, um, they really kind of depends on in the city where you are, um, how many are there. 
I know that um, out in nature, you normally would see them along riverbanks mm-hmm. or any sort of environment that um, typically, n- lot, well, when the the seeds disperse through the wind, a lot of times they land in the water. And so that's why you see them around the water banks. Okay. But in Chicago, we absolutely have oak trees. We have beech trees. We have, um, you know, most trees actually do participate in some form of mast. And so, you know, this is not a uncommon phenomenon in Chicago at all. Yeah. So, so very good point to bring up there. And I want to underscore that, that this, this fluff is a natural process of reproduction. Right. So so what do you want to make sure that listeners take away from from seeing this mast seeding event? Well, the mast that or the fluff that you see, yeah. it is the future trees of it's the trees of tomorrow. So when we see the fluff, it's not only beautiful and really interesting to look at, but you know, it's it all it takes is one of those seeds from the like 50 million that can come from a tree, a single tree. If that tree plants and grows, then you have a successful tree with that's wonderful. So these trees, they're wind pollinators, Karen, right? That stuck out to you, I, I imagine. Yeah, I always find it interesting to figure out how does all this nature around us reproduce and why do we get more nature sometimes? And th- in this case, we often talk a lot about pollinator species and we talk a lot about you know, monarchs and we think about the foods that we eat that are pollinated like apples and grapes or you drink your coffee. Uh, And those have the little critters. Those are bees and those are butterflies and all sorts of insects wandering around and connecting the pollen within the plant. The wind pollinators rely on the wind. So they they create just a bunch of dust, which is really pollen. And they rely on the wind to fly it around Mm -hmm. and then do the connecting there so that they can reproduce. Yeah. So what does this mean exactly? Why is it a big deal? Well, it's a big deal because... It's a completely different way to do it from what we often talk about, but it's also a big deal in the way that we experience it. It's the pollen that's in the air uh, that a lot of people are noticing. Um, What we're talking about is the fluff, which is actually the seed part. Um, But the wind pollination is a way that a lot of trees actually reproduce. And it's something that you're less aware of often because they aren't big, beautiful flowers and they don't have those smells because they're not trying to attract birds or insects. Uh, They're just trying to get the wind to help them grow. Yeah. And some animals actually eat these seeds. Here's Professor LaMontagne again. Lots of different species, um, depending a little bit on on what species of tree you're looking at. So with cottonwood trees, it's really interesting, those pieces of cotton, you know, sort of cotton, the fluff will end up, you know, in the rivers and stuff. And uh, you'll see ducks feeding on them. Um, When we think about things like acorns, you know, a lot of species of small mammals, um, so woodpeckers store those over winter and will influence, you know, their overwinter survival and that type of thing as well. Of course, even things like deer eat, eat acorns, too. So dig into that for us, Jessica. Explain that relationship between trees and animals here and, and the, the benefits that the, the trees provide. Oh, my goodness. So trees are the backbone of the terrestrial ecosystem. You know, they provide habitat for other species. They can provide food. So when you have a mast year with acorns, for example, Mm -hmm. there's going to be a ton of food available for chipmunks, squirrels, all of that. Now, those, um, when you look at, when you look at um, wind dispersed, or sorry, cottonwood, it is, uh, it's not as nutrient dense as an acorn. So, you know, the masting can evolve from a lot of, you can get the same result from a lot of different processes. So having, you know, masting can occur for like overwhelming predators, providing the right combination of resources can cause masting, 
or just weather cues. So it's not just predation okay. per se. So I, I got to ask something that, that people might be thinking, Karen. This isn't a problem per se to have all the fluff around. It's certainly not a problem for the trees. They're trying extra hard, and they're trying to have a, enough seeds that the ducks can have their fill, and there's still some leftover so they can grow some new trees. But for us, you know, people, I've seen photos of some lawns that are literally blanketed with this stuff. Yeah, I think for us, for us, there's the there's the the unusual moment of of wonder, you know, that there's all this fluff like, everywhere. What is this stuff? Exactly. And so I think that's a that's a unique period we're getting now because these masting events don't happen every year. My instinct is to try to catch it. Like, yeah. That's what I've been doing too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to try to... <laughs> so you'll try to catch it. To the... play with them? <laughs> you can follow them around. It's a yeah. great way to meet your neighbors, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but if you, you know, if you've got some of your HVAC equipment that has an intake, if you're right in the middle of one of these events, just make sure that you check it so that it's not getting all clogged up. But you know, other than that, it's this wild moment to reconnect with nature. There's also some concern, Jessica, that the, the fluff could cause allergies. Mm. But we, we did our homework. Yes. We talked to an allergist who said that wasn't the case. What do we know there? So allergies are typically going to be coming from the pollen, and the pollen is from months ago. So the fluff is just that beautiful reproductive part of the plant um, that's carrying the seed, not going to be causing your allergies. Okay. See? There there you have it, folks. <laughs> uh, there's also concern that the fluff could be flammable, Karen? Yeah. This, I admit it was a new one to me. And uh, I did some looking. It is flammable. So I, the simple recommendation is do not light it on fire. I did watch some videos and I saw it catch on fire. And then it goes right along the little piles of where it is. Particularly now, we haven't had a lot of rain. This was a very dry May. I mean, who was lighting it on fire in the first place? Yeah, I'm just going to say I found it on the internet, and we're going to leave it there. Okay. It just, wasn't me. I'm just wondering. Uh, you can use it as a, a fire starter if you go camping, maybe? No, you are not using it as a fire starter because of the other things that are around, and you are not going camping and lighting random fires. Okay. But no, it, it is something definitely to think about, uh, and it's something to pay attention to because it is a dry year right now, and uh, it, it, these are very light items that burn really quickly, at least based on the video evidence that I could find. Yeah. yeah. So we, we mentioned that uh, many trees do mass seeding. Here's what uh, Professor LaMontagne had to say about whether many species could have these massive reproductive events at the same time. So most of the studies that are done focus on, you know, sort of one species at a time. Um, and whether or not a tree is going to have one of these large reproductive events is, is really dictated by the weather conditions that actually happen about a year before the seeds are actually produced, or sometimes even two years before the seeds are produced, depending on the species. So if they have similar environmental cues, they potentially could reproduce at the same time, but otherwise it could also be a little bit variable depending on the species. Yeah, see, see that really struck me, Karen, yeah. that, that it's, it's last year's weather that determines how the trees reproduce. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's, it's a great example of trees are living creatures. They are working all the time on trying to create their own future. And like us, they have choices to make. And uh, what, you, what the environment that you're in can help you make a choice in a way, uh, ways into the future. An example here is, is for these trees, is that bud going to become leaves or seeds? Mm. And that's ultimately the fork in the road that they face. And we're in graduation season. Humans are facing different choices if they're lucky enough to graduate. But these trees have to decide where do they put their energy. And so the environment that they've been in over the last year helps them do that. That being said, there's a lot we still need to learn about how trees are actually reacting to the changes in weather. Yeah, I saw you nodding a moment ago, Jessica. And I remember hearing you mention a second ago, you know, in a mast year, right? Yes. Uh, So... 
Masting, of course, is a very sporadic event. Yeah. It happens many, um, you know, many different species have it. But it's, you know, last fall, we had amazing, amazing um, weather last year. And you could tell that by the great fall color that we had. So as you had mentioned, the trees had made that decision basically last year that they were going to be producing a lot of seeds. And since cottonwood produces its seeds earlier in the year, that's how we have the mast year because it hasn't been impacted as much by the drought, which uh, um, you can see other trees giving up their seeds at this point. Yeah, let's talk more about that because, yeah, weather cues for the seeds to release brings up that whole climate question, uh, Jessica. We, we talked with the state climatologist who said that even though we're in, the, in a moderate drought right now, that we've seen wetter springs overall. And weather predictions show that wetter springs are going to continue. So uh, we talked to the professor about what that could mean for mass seeding events. When we look at the, the historical trend in spring, springs have actually gotten quite a bit wetter across the Chicagoland area. In fact, not too long ago, we actually broke the, the wettest spring record uh, three years in a row, 2018, 2019, and 2020, uh, before having a couple of drier springs. When we look at projections of future change in spring, um, it, it still shows that upward trajectory. Most models agreeing that springs are likely to continue getting wetter even faster than all other seasons. Okay, so that was actually the state climatologist, uh, Trent Ford. Uh, what do you make of all this, Jessica? Well, you know, the his, the natural history as we know it is changing with the climate. And so, you know, we need to be having these long-term records, long-term studies to fully understand what the future will hold for our trees. Yeah. Karen? Yeah, one thing Jessica and I were talking about before we jumped in here, trees are really long-lived. And so you have to study them over extended periods of time. But the, as the state climatologist said, the projections for the weather here are that springs will be warmer and wetter. This is an anomaly year based on that because we've had a really dry spring. But there's a lot that we're going to need to learn. Um, one of the important things, though, is that we do have an incredible diversity in the tree canopy in Chicago. And I think that's one of the things that as we look at the changes to come, uh, we have that built in where we've got all different kinds of trees. Some are doing masting events. Uh, some are chilling out this year in a more typical <laughs> pattern. Uh, but we've got all different kinds, maples, oaks. Obviously, we've got the cottonwoods. And so that really gives us a backbone to look at. But they're all going to be affected as we continue to see weather change. Yeah, and I'm glad we're talking about this because one last thing that uh, the professor that we heard from earlier in this segment recommended is that folks just take the time to look up and, and notice what's going on with trees. Right. You agree, Jessica? I mean, what, what can the trees, what can they just tell us about our surroundings? Well, they can tell you what animals you might be seeing. They can tell you, um, you know, even down to... The impact of having a bunch of healthy, beautiful trees can dictate the temperature of your city because of the urban heat island effect. So trees are absolutely amazing. And I would say that we should be looking up, but we should also be looking down and watering our trees during this drought. You can look at the plant clinic or at the, at the Morton Arboretum's website and learn how to water your trees, how to mulch your trees. But please take care of your trees. Great reminder. Jessica Turnerskoff is a science communication leader at the Morton Arboretum. And Karen Weigert is Reset's sustainability contributor. And we heard from Professor Jaylene Lemontan from DePaul University. Thank you all so much. This episode of Reset was produced by Linnea Dominic, and it was edited by Andrew Merriweather and Stephanie Kim. One thing that is anything but fluff 
is the Reset Newsletter. Yep, that's right. Get the biggest headlines and hear about the fun and interesting things happening around Chicago right in your inbox every morning. Just go to wbez.org slash Reset News to sign up. That's all for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.